says we're going live. It says we're live. We are live. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Roundtable with the Stream Team. And this is where we talk to amazing guests about the, how they decided to become content creators and what they did, where they became, what they've kind of grown into now. Uh, so tonight we have brought a, uh, a very good friend of mine who uh, happened to be someone that we met in PAX East last year, myself and MJ. Actually, believe it or not, he was the other man. He was the man behind the camera uh, when we were there. Uh, Mr. Dan Otash, how are you, sir? Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing doing quite well. It's uh it's been a it's been a, a day, but it's it's not bad. Yes. Well, thank you very much for coming. We I know that it's today's your day off uh in, in the streaming <laughs> world, so I appreciate you taking, you know, this hour to uh, come hang out with us and talk and and uh, chat about about everything uh content creation and and you know, some games and you know, just some fun stuff in general. So yeah. I appreciate you coming. Thank you. Well, thanks for thanks for having me, man. I appreciate well, thank it. You. Thank you very much. Uh, and we have uh, our other, other panelists today. We have our uh, our good old buddy MJ is a boss. What's going on, MJ? How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing I'm doing well and and once again you did not use your catchphrase. <laughs> What's popping? That is your I said it once I got in the chat. Oh, you missed it. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. You got to say it for the show. You got to say it for the show, bud. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it at the end. Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. And and you heard, you know, our amazing female co-panelist uh El Boogie 0208. How are you, El? I am good. How are you doing on this like horrible Monday? Uh, <laughs> other than it being Monday and having to wake up and go to work, uh, right? It was a good day. Monday is like the day you got to get up and you're just like, first day of work. You got to go. Mm -hmm. You got to go. You got to go. And then for me, it's Thursday. Thursday is my other day of the week that I dislike. Yeah. Thursdays, I'm just like, oh, I got to get up and go to work. And it's just painful. And then once I get there, I'm good. So I'm good. Well, Thank we were you. on time, so that I was like, "Cool, that let's hope that sets the tone for the weekend." You know, we're like not running late. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. I agree. So, and thank you, thank you again for uh, for joining us. So, Always. so we we are here. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> um, so Dan Otage, good sir. So yeah. why don't you why don't you give us your your you know your story of becoming a content creator and how you kind of journey to become what you're doing right now and and kind of how you're growing why don't you go ahead and, and give us that that story oh man um where do i start uh so way 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 that's it, it legitimately was a long time ago when i just started like breaking things apart and kind of uh talking about them in front of people um so back when back about the end of high school middle beginning of college which was like 10 years ago to 11 years ago mm -hmm. jesus um i was playing um call of duty professionally and started getting to like the esports before esports were called esports we did not call them esports back then that's how old i am <laughs> um so we started playing a bunch of tournaments and a bunch of like you know traveling up and down the west coast and a lot of these things based on what like you did back in the day it was climbing ladders like mlg before mlg was mlg um they would call them game battles before mlg bought them up and then they <laughs> became their own thing uh so i started playing that and, and that kind of brought me into a whole different world about uh entertainment and what it meant to be doing stuff in front of people via video games because you know the I play sports and stuff like that, so we understand like what sports are. Sports are very much a known thing and a very popular thing at that point still. Um, and then, uh, and then we started to learn about what esports were. We just called it competitive gaming at that point. Um, and then that turned into a couple of uh, guide companies actually coming to our team that I was mainly with for a long time, uh, and, and asked us to like be a part of a strategy guide writing crew um so we had been doing something for like so the the our our clan leader was uh was as a is a graphic artist so he like would make old maps um based on like socom when we were playing socom and then we eventually moved him to call of duty and then he's just like well do you, do you feel like making a thing for us and putting that in a book and maybe consulting on some of the strategy and we're like okay we'll do that uh so they did that for a couple books and then um, it happened to it happened to come about that I was uh, I was a writer and I was studying to be a writer. So 
they're like, okay, we want to go actually like, we'll just send you to go do something like this and see what they come out with. And then, then we did that. And I started getting into strategy guide writing and, and that turned into getting a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper into what it meant to do like entertainment inside the video game world. And then uh, at one point throughout college, I started a radio station started being on the radio and talking about metal music and video games and all kinds of stuff like that. And then that turned those two things combined. And they're like, Hey, do you want to run our Twitch channel? It's like, um, no, I have no idea what I'm doing there, but I'll try it. <laughs> we don't um, have an idea, but we're, we're we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, okay, we're going to start a, we're going to start like a couple month plan to figure that out. I was like, okay, maybe it might as well start my own channel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's when, that's when kind of, I, I started the Danotage name, because uh, my, my competitive name was Sabotage, and my name's Dan, so I was like, okay, let's just be creative and jam them two together, because that's how that's how creativity works. Um, Peanut butter and, and jelly, so, slam them together, you get a sandwich. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so so I did that and started to kind of, uh, I worked with somebody else to build a community to start raising money for Extra Life back when we started. That was like our reason for like starting in, in general. And I was like, well, that happens to be that that's it sounds like an awesome plan and i gotta get i gotta learn about what twitch is anyway so let's put those two together Mm -hmm. and uh and then yeah that sort of started my channel i i started streaming uh borderlands 2 no borderlands the pre-sequel um with no mic with no camera Mm -hmm. uh i just started streaming it and typing in chat and and hanging out with like the three or four people that would come by and watch and and then, uh, and then it sort of went from there. I started, I started like putting together a camera, putting all my, taking all my audio equipment out from, uh, renting it out from, uh, from a radio station and using that for a little bit. And then started putting together the, the couple things there. And I started learning about, I was, I was, you know, the, the reason I was in college was for, uh, media and film and audio and, and stuff like that and writing more than anything because mm-hmm. it was communication. So I started to like put together a show and start to put together a lot of the hardware that went with it. And I sort of understood it already. So it was a nice big boost into that. So basically all the things started to combine. And then I just, I just started streaming. I, I mean, as a, as an author and as an in school and being able to kind of run my own schedule, I was just able to just start streaming. I wasn't streaming very long every day, but I was streaming like every day mm-hmm. and uh, people started coming in started hanging out. I started to meet a lot of cool people and, um, I started meeting streamers basically immediately because I had already been going to stuff like E3 and and uh, and PAX and whatnot. So I started meeting people almost immediately and then started making friends. And then it just kind of went from there and started streaming and streaming and streaming. And then that the streaming world just kind of grew up at that point. So it's been almost five years now of full-time streaming. And yeah, that's where we are today. That's kind of the the long and short of it, really. The long, the long and short. Who was who was your first uh who's your first streamer that you met and you kind of connected with? Mm, well, there was a small group of them, but it there was one that kind of sparked it. Um so I had been following and watching uh Tiger Rider for a long time. Um so I met him at E3 who was there with Scarfino. Um, back then she was Obizianka. Now it's Monkeyism. And uh, and Death. Death Sculpt. Mm-hmm. I think they're in Santa. In Santa. So there was like a bunch of us. We all went to lunch. Started like, you know, kicking it off and stuff like that. And just kind of set it off from there. Because he had known me from his chat. And he had known that I streamed and stuff like that. So we started like just kind of hanging out. And never really... Nothing ever really like came up as far as like how that went, and uh, and then it was just like okay, cool, let's like th- this is awesome. You guys are fantastic, and and you seem pretty nice. And I was just like, hey, well, I'll, I let's I'll see you later, right after lunch. <laughs> after lunch is over, because he they, they were all hanging out and it was like, oh, see you later. Hey, it was like, and then he asked me like, what are you doing tonight? So like, well, I'm just kind of chilling with. Uh, I had my a lot of my coworkers there, so it was uh, we're just like probably gonna get I don't know dinner or something like that. Not really too much. He's like, well, we're going to this Twitch party, and I know that you just started streaming like a couple months ago. So, like, do you want to come? I was like, sure. And uh, I, they brought me in, and and we hung out. That's where I met a bunch of uh, staff members that I'm still friends with too today. And and uh, it turned out that I got to meet a couple cool people there too. Um, Grimmy Bear, who I'm still really good friends with today, I met there for the first time, and uh, we ended up hitting it off, and and it just kind of. Everything kind of blossomed into something much bigger because back then, 
it wasn't a huge deal to be going to like this Twitch party. It was like one mm-hmm. of the first Twitch parties that ever existed. It was E3 2014 or 15 or whatever. Right. Now it's like nobody, you don't go to the Twitch party because it's too packed because there's too many people. Back then it was like, no, we need people in here. Yeah. So, uh, so they, they, we just kind of all hung out there and had a good time. Um, so yeah, that was like some of my first friends here on Twitch, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just grown since then. I'm still friends with Tiger Rider um still friends with actually everybody in that group uh i don't talk to talk to everybody as nearly as much but it is uh they're there and there's we still hang out and they're still good people and you know never never want to give up those friendships because they're some of the best people i've ever known and yeah it's mm-hmm. just kind of gone from there now, now these people are they also they work for directly for twitch some of them uh none of those people do none but i did meet some people there like um um who i guess one of the only ones i knew from twitch at that point was uh who would it have been siren i guess siren was the event coordinator for like parties and stuff at that point now she now she's um one of the assistants for running twitchcon mm-hmm. um i met siren and she's the one that helped me get into the party and get into like the the stuff and whatever and then uh and then i found out that that she lived in she she lived in she was from San Diego, obviously living in San Francisco. And then when we finally like moved there and did a bunch of extra life stuff together, it was just like, Oh, we're mm-hmm. just, you know, hanging out. It's cool. So we kind of hit it off there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's cool. Now there, there's one thing you kind of like skimmed over was the, 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 the some of the stuff that we kind of spoke about before when we were on the Iron Lords podcast is mm. you, you did the competitive um, CSGO stuff, correct? I did a little bit of CSGO. My main gig was Call of Duty, Call but of Duty. yeah. And then yeah. Um, after a while, you uh, kind of evolved and did other things. And, and uh, we, you said you did the 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 Prima game writing books, correct? It was Prima, or I, I worked. Yeah. So some of the first the first company I ever worked with was Piggyback, right? Um, and then Brady Games, and then Prima Games, and then eventually Brady Games and Prima Games became one company, which mm-hmm. became Prima. Now, now, yeah, uh, yeah. N- now I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shameless plug for you. Um, I, I happen to have this book right here that you that you wrote <laughs> sitting right next to me on my on my desk. That uh, I yes. got one right behind me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I figured uh, I'd give you that, that plug. It's on Amazon if you if you would like it. Um, and that's a like, whole different that's a whole different thing too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but uh, like I myself, I went I actually read it and I went through it and I thought it was pretty interesting and it, it kind of gives you know a little bit of a background. Um, thought process of how uh some of the thoughts and 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 how some of the things you wouldn't imagine to make a difference in, in your streaming life uh to end up kind of helping you to to grow and, and to, to build that community which which is uh which is pretty is pretty nice um mm-hmm. do, do you do you have any questions uh for uh for mr dano while we're going so i'm so i'm not saying because i'll sit here and i'll me dano will talk all day because we we were literally we were talking for, for almost 45 minutes before the before the show started but uh did you have anything you were thinking of L- L- i got one. Oh, you got one go ahead mj yeah good. so once you first started streaming what system are we on pc like you said you were playing borderlands mm-hmm. or the pre-sequel yeah yeah, I was on PC because I I didn't have any of the capture technology yet. Uh, it was back then. It was still super expensive. Like, yeah. to get one of the Halpages was like three hundred bucks. Which I I had that t- I had that that stuff, but I didn't want to use it because it was like specifically for for work and guide writing and stuff at that point. Um, but but yeah, it was mostly just PC stuff. And then uh, but I came from I came from um when I was playing Call of Duty, I was on Xbox, so that was like the main gig there. Um, and then eventually it was mostly all PC because that was just the easiest thing to do at that point. Which Call of Duty? Uh, I competed in one and two and Ooh. four. The good ones. All the Infinity Ward ones, yeah. <laughs> the, all the Infinity all, all the I should say the Respawn ones because most of the people that worked on those games don't work for Infinity Ward anymore. <laughs> uh, so-, so that's why Apex is so good. <laughs> respawn the the team at respawn has never made a bad game in my opinion all the way from call of duty one man that's high praise um i mean i mean think about it so you got call of duty one call of duty two call of duty four because they didn't do they didn't do three 
And then most of that team went on to make Respawn, which made Titanfall, Titanfall 2, Star Wars Jedi uh, Fallen Order, and Apex Legends. All of those are bangers. Right. I agree. Fallen that's, Order is amazing. Please tell me you beat it, Pete. Uh, no, I have not beat it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I still haven't beat it either. Um, I'm super, I'm like I'm close. Su- I'm super you, close. Like I got like even hour. if you have to lower the difficulty, I recommend beating it. It's just I haven't. I don't know. Like oh, difficulty. I just get pulled back into like multiplayer like all the time. Like right. it's worth it. It's not that long. I, I would say it's worth just going through it. I, I think I'm probably got like an hour left. Like maybe okay. two hours left. Like I just gotta just buckle down and just do it because yes. it's it's just Agreed. I, I just gotta do it. It's just Escape from Tarkov. It's just like it pulls me in, <laughs> pulls me in. I wanted to be better. I want to do. I want to do better. So, um, if, if you guys, I'm sorry. I see a couple of people talking in chat about the audio and, and uh, the video and stuff. I, I actually got a new uh, streaming system here, so uh, I apologize if it's a little off. But uh, just just know that um, your input is, is helpful. Um, so going back going back to Dan. Um, so when you when you decided to go well to the whole entire streaming realm, if you will, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you you kind of it kind of just evolved because you were in, already in that competitive space. So like every well, like your family kind of knew what you kind of did. You kind of they were okay with you going to that streaming space and talking about that type of stuff. Um, they didn't really have any idea. Um, cause like I was working, I was working for. So while I was, while I was, when I first started at like, cause I was a freelancer, right? So I never really had a f- real job at Prima games, right? I was just a freelancer, basically mm-hmm. got whatever jobs they decided to give me. Um, so there's nothing guaranteed there. So I, I, for a long time, I never left my job, uh, my full-time job before that. So I had a full-time job I was working about 50 hours a week, um, going to school three to four days a week, depending on the semester. And then in between that, streaming for like three days after work, um, or three, yeah, three days a week, about three hours. I know, sorry, every day, three hours a a day uh, after work and just kind of resting it that way. And then when there was a job, I actually wouldn't stream for a while. So I would, I would, you know, sort of try to figure out what I'm doing there. And sometimes there was travel going on. Sometimes I had to lie to my job and say I'm sick when I, because they wouldn't give me the time off. Mm. Uh, I hated that job with a passion. I did it. I did that for four years. Um, Can you say what all, it was? Uh, it was. No, I'm not going to say who it was, okay. but it was. It was a um, food product company. I would say, like, okay. it, they they did. Uh, and basically, what I did, and you can probably figure it out if you if you ever worked in a grocery store or something like this. What I would do is I would go to grocery stores. And I would basically stock our shelves. Whatever our product was, I would stock our shelves. But that also meant like we'd have to build like the huge displays that you see in the uh-huh. stores. You'd have to like uh, truck out, you know, thousands of pounds of, of product every single day. And it was just like it was killing me. It was mm-hmm. legitimately like physically and everything killing me because like I was I was in shape, but I wasn't like nearly as strong as I am today. Um, and it just became it was exhausting working like 12 to 13 to 14 hours a day mm-hmm. and then still coming home and trying to stream uh it was it was rough and and the pay was while it paid my bills and paid my rent and stuff like that seriously didn't seem like that, like that much even after all the ho- the um holiday pay and <laughs> overtime and even being in a union it was it was hell but it, it definitely taught me i'd worked several retail jobs before that too but it definitely taught me what it what it was like to do something you don't want to do for so long and gave me kind of the drive to go do something else. But, but it was still scary because I could never quit it. Right. Everything else I was doing was never going to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I was jumping on something that was a little bit risky and stuff like that. So to go back and answer your question, my parents never really, my family never really knew. And they mm-hmm. like, even today they know what I do, but they don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never really knew what I was doing because it was sort of this, it was just a side thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was doing like books and stuff like that, every now and then, I'd, you know, there'd be like a, a Call of Duty or something that would come out and uh, my mom would go buy one of the books and she'd give it to my little brother. And like when I came home for Christmas or something like that, I would uh, sign it for her and stuff like that. So it they, she, they very much appreciated that I was doing something in some sort of spotlight, but they had they really had no idea 
mm-hmm. what it was. So they were as probably as supportive as they could be without knowing anything mm-hmm. really. Like not because not because they just not because I kept a secret. They just I knew they wouldn't understand, and when I would try to explain it, they still didn't understand. So it just kind of yeah. went on that way. Yeah, it, se- it seems like that's that that's what the the global thought process is with a lot of parents uh from from a lot of people that we've spoken to their their parents or family or anyone when you talk to them about you know wanting to stream or what you do is streaming or content creation if you will it's like they don't understand they don't fully understand what it is so i kind of feel like it's more of a generational thing like we understand it and you know when we have kids they'll understand it because uh, we'll like we'll understand for them but like right now like my parents i told them i'm like nine o'clock please don't open the door don't ask me questions don't call me because you don't understand how your computer works i have to do i have to do this podcast with friends of mine so let um, like i have to kind of inform them of those things but yeah. they, they're kind of just like what is a podcast and then like i downloaded it for my parents <laughs> for my mom and my mom's like i don't even know how to play this and listen to it i was like Okay, mom, it's okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's it's 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 in layers. You know, you can you can talk about this in many layers. Like my my stepdad, he pretty much he gets it. Like mm-hmm. he showed up in my channel many times. He he I, he knows what's going on. He's there to he's usually there to troll me too because he's just that kind of guy. He's like yeah. you know who's this guy on the screen? I don't. I this isn't the channel I flip to. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um. You know he'll he'll sit there and troll me. He just he just kind of understands it that way. Uh, my mom just kind of gets the the spillover of whatever he tells me that. Uh, my dad has asked basically every holiday what it to explain to him what it is because he knows what it is, but he doesn't. <laughs> We're going local right now, and I am recording as we speak. So, okay. So I guess we'll just start from here, and I'll just merge the videos, and then I'll upload them and, and clean them up. Cool. All right, more more things for me to do. Fantastic. Like we were saying before, <laughs> Dano, as we're always sitting by the computer, there's always something there's new always, to there's, do. There's always something. Yes. So, um, all right. So we were we were talking before about you know your your family and everything and uh, how they kind of didn't understand and and that that was kind of cool. That was that, that that's very interesting how they kind of you know they didn't understand and 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 how you kind of have to explain it and that 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 was very interesting do you do you have a like a a thought or a remember of like the first time you were gaming like you were like couch like playing games with like family friends or something do i remember the first time i mean i remember the first game i played um what was that that was actually the tasmanian devil game it's just called taz (laughs) t-a-z on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and do you remember, you remember playing that with uh, with your family or so? Or do, do, with your I was house? young. I was definitely very very young, uh, but that was at uh, my grandma's house actually because mm-hmm. she would watch me for the majority of my early early life, uh, and she she actually like for a grandma she was a gamer like mm-hmm. she had that not because of me she had that because she wanted it. Um, so she had like several games and stuff like that for the Atari. Uh, later on, she got like a Game Boy and she'd have, um, like the original Super, like Mario on there and a few other things. And then now she like pretty much every Christmas we get her either an, an update to her, whatever tablet she's using or, uh, give her some like Amazon gift cards or something like that. Cause she usually like buys like uh the casino games on there so she still plays those every now and then but yeah that's she's kind of who got me started there because she just always had it and i would it was always available so i was like all right cool so yeah i've been playing games since like i can actually remember yeah all over the place now now from what i remember you from the other podcast you said that your your grandma was kind of like a almost like a partial inspiration for you to play games because she was, she had them so available for you. Yeah, I mean, like, there wasn't much for us to do. Like, it was, I was an only child. I didn't really have any, at least on that, especially on that side. I didn't have any cousins. I didn't really have 
many people because like my my parents been split up since I was young and uh, so when I was with my mom I was with I was with my grandma and she like we didn't really have any too many too many other people around my age around that time um so when I was there we'd either you know we'd I spent a lot of time with my grandparents because while my grandma was working at the time, uh, my grandfather, uh, he had been like, been discharged from the army and he was, he was, uh, on disability. So he like, he couldn't, he couldn't really do much for work. He was basically retired at that point. So I'd spend like most of my days with him and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of cartoons, a lot of football. He really was a bit, he was a huge, uh, Oakland Raiders fan um and and then every now and then we'd i'd, I'd play on the game boy or, or in the atari atari in the room and so it was just kind of like uh that was that was where i spent most of my days there was really nothing else to do for me uh, at that point so it was it was almost like i was forced into video games but also something that i just wanted to do anyway so yeah it just it, it was kind of there and there was not really it was kind of the only thing i had in front of me you know so you, so you you had that and you kind of pushed uh through so like what like did she have like a what like did they have like a wide assortment of different things for you um, to, for you to play or is it just like see, you know? that I, I don't remember i don't think so because like the only that's like taz is like the one that sticks in my brain the most um mm -hmm. outside of that i'm pretty sure i played like like tank or something like that what uh uh tank battle or whatever the heck it was called it's probably just called battle um played a little bit of that um i think at a certain point there's always been like this this kind of addictive personality to video games because like i had been i'd been through so many different like people watching me like i was i was at like professional babysitters i was at like you know daycares and all kinds of stuff and and really like if there was like a little game in the corner or there was some type of game that's where i was and that's what i was going to do so like there was always this I don't want to deal with anybody else I just want to play this video game no matter what uh, I would you know there was a, like there was there were times where I would sneak in the other room at at this uh, babysitter's house because she used to watch like these other two <laughs> twins and like another person and there was sort of like four of us but like you know I kind of I was like I don't really I don't see myself connecting with these guys because they had all been you know being watched by this lady for like years so they all knew each other I was kind of the odd man out. And then, uh, and then I saw that they had like this. Uh, I think it was a Nintendo. Uh, it was it was Super Mario Brothers three um, that they had in the that she had in the other room. And I'm like, I would sneak over there and start playing. I don't think she even knew about it, <laughs> so I don't know if she was a good babysitter or what. But I just start playing it, and then eventually they figured out. It's like, oh, he actually likes this. Okay, we'll 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 let him play this every like couple of days or whatever, because um, it was like her sons or something like that. Uh, so yeah, there was like Super Mario Brothers three, and then you know a couple of like classics back then. But for the most part, it was just whatever was there, and those the, those are the only ones I really remember too much. Mm -hmm. You know, so like Taz was the big one, and Super Mario Brothers three. A little bit of Duck Hunt because I think my grandpa had like Duck Hunt at one point, but he would be the one playing it. I wouldn't really let his grandchildren play with it too much. <laughs> when I was playing Duck Hunt with uh, when I was a kid, my dad would always yell at the dog and mm -hmm. then he would always try to shoot the dog and he would always <laughs> shoot a shot like right before the next match so he'd have one less bullet and he's like get him what and he'd get all mad about it oh yeah those those are those are those funny memories that you that you have um, oh yeah when, when you're when you're younger uh for uh for for the next upcoming year um do you do you see yourself going to any uh new uh, or I should say a different, um, conventions. Like we, we've talked about it before. Like you said, you, that you don't think you're going to make it to PAX East this year because of the timing of everything going on in, in your life. Um, but like, what about like E3 or, or TwitchCon or something like that? Or, or, well, I assume you're going to GCX since you pretty much help run the, run the whole thing. So, yeah. So, um, both, both early year PAXs, I, those are two of my favorites. Um, South Granted, I've never been. I've never been to PAX West, but both PAX South and PAX East, I like those a lot. Unfortunately, this time of year, yeah, we're moving. Um, we're dealing with all kinds of new stuff happening, so it's just like I'm. I'm doing my best not to travel. Um, so stay home, figure that out, and then and then. So not going to do those this year, but that doesn't mean I don't ever want to do them again. Just uh, just not this year. And then 
I'd love to go to PAX West, but like everything I know about PAX West is just, just a it's a mayhem crazy show, and I don't know if I want to deal with that. <laughs> um, same with like Gamescom. Like I would love to go to Germany and go to Gamescom, but unfortunately, it's just it's a whole lot of commitment for what seems to be a very impossible to to see or do anything kind mm-hmm. of show. So I, I'm I'm trying to weigh out the options there. Plus, again, every time I, you know, as a streamer, as a content creator of any sort, well, I guess YouTube's a little bit different because you can just record a bunch of stuff and release it. I envy YouTubers really, really much, very badly. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know, taking the more more time you take off, the more damage you kind of do to your channel and what you do and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's you have to be very careful with it. Um, so so time off is getting. Well, actually, I should say travel to conventions is getting less and less every year. But that's also because I do have two or three conventions that I I pretty much have to hit up. And mm-hmm. you said it. So basically, I'll be moving. I'll be moving to L.A. So I'll be pretty close to E3 no matter what. So it's basically mm-hmm. like that's nice. again like like TwitchCon this year. It's like doing work not mm-hmm. to go because <laughs> uh, living in San Diego for the last four years has been pretty easy to make it to to TwitchCon and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, let but me... yeah, no E three and then and then GCX obviously. Yeah, GCX is is you know it's a company or it's a uh, convention that I work for, so it's definitely something I'll be at. Um, let me. Am I not blinking on you now? Yeah, you're better. I can see. Okay, you. good. Yeah, I because I, I saw it and I was like, that has got to be aggravating to you. So I, I'm oh, I'm sorry. I'm like I said, this is this is annoying because I, I I had tested all this stuff before and everything was going good nah, and dude. I deal with this stuff every day. <sighs> I this know. Is that's one of those things like as a streamer as a content creator you are everything you know and mm-hmm. part of one of those things is your technical support <laughs> yeah uh do you, you gotta deal with that uh, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna start rolling into some questions because mm-hmm. you just brought that up do you yeah, yeah do you feel like you have to wear too many hats when you're doing all this on your own um too many i mean i don't mind wearing a ton of hats that's mm-hmm. the that's the difference is like I, I do think it's a lot of hats. I think it's often too many hats. Um, but that's kind of the it's kind of the way of a millennial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in like a derogatory term. That's like that's just kind of how we are in this in this generation. We're forced to do a little bit of everything. It's the gig economy too. It's the same thing that like an Uber driver has or like a uh, a DoorDash person does. Like that's not their full-time job Mm -hmm. i would i would imagine they probably do all kinds of things they could be streamers and youtubers like for all i know it's a a decent gig for something like that because you can make your own schedule um contractors all over the place but yeah it's it's kind of the nature of the job do i think it's too much i i i do um but there's like it's hard to figure out what kind of choice you have thankfully um doing this as long as i have i've been able to meet people who have helped me a ton um, obviously, like, you know, you have your moderators and your team and, and people that are that got your back and be able to help you in those ways. So it takes a little bit off of your shoulders. But um, now having a management team that's got my back the whole time, like I don't have to deal with arguing with other companies about, hey, man, you want to charge me what are you sorry? Not you. You want to pay me. No, you want to pay me nothing to, to you know promote your game. I don't have to deal with that. I have somebody else that deals with that, mm-hmm. which is which is great because as much as I don't mind dealing with that, that's even more time I don't have for all the other things, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then me, me as a as an author and as I'm writing more books and stuff like that, I do more than just that, so it gets kind of crazy. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool how you kind of been able to kind of grow all your like your different kinds of little your hats, if you will. You kind mm-hmm. of like because you you've been doing this for for so long now going back to, to to gcx like how did you end up getting involved in gcx and how did you kind of been there you've been there for a couple of years now right yeah i've been um it's been what yeah this will be the third year i'm working with them mm-hmm. uh with the people over at rare drop um so pretty much everybody at rare drop and uh including myself are all like again managed by the same company um plus like i've kind of gotten to know like professor broman pretty well um he him and i have him and i have had a lot of common versus like again wearing a ton of hats and wanting to do a bunch of of things for 
for streaming and content creation. Like mm-hmm. we both started on Twitch for charity, and like mm-hmm. the, the story I t- told earlier, it's like we had other. I have other reasons to to be on a content creation platform, but the main reason was to start gaining a community and raising money for for charity. And uh, so we hit it off that way. Um, there was one time he needed something from a connection that I had, and he uh, he basically I I did it I I put my connection forward and basically made it so he didn't really have to do much after that. And I guess mm-hmm. he just liked that, and it turned into, hey man, we're looking for we really are missing this area mm-hmm. uh, for for you know Guardian Con at that point because I kind of went to him and was like, hey man, I I really like I did Guardian Con. I really think it's a it's a great like venture in what you guys are doing. And the fact that we already had kind of a rapport going and we kind of knew each other for a little bit and we've been, you know, around the same circles for a little bit. Uh, he kind of knew what I was about and what I could do. And, and he's like, hey, man, we really need this. Can you do this? You seem like you can probably handle that. And so I was like, yeah, just, we'll try it out and figure out what's going on. And then, uh, you know, when when I was able to kind of show that that I could get some of that stuff done, which was, you know, getting them in front of uh certain like news outlets like uh getting them a news getting gcx and newsweek and and uh helping with some of their their tampa news and and florida the just outlets in general they're like okay well this is this is working out we can do this we can make this work um gotten a little bit closer with uh their their like marketing team and i was able to actually like prove because a lot of people don't understand that marketing and public relations are two different things i'm like Mm -hmm. I can work with your marketing team, but I'm not marketing. And then it's like, wait, hold, hold how do, what do you mean? What, what was the difference here? And then we kind of showed that. It's like mm-hmm. marketing is going to sell who you are and sell what's going on here. PR is going to make sure that that all is accurate and nobody's confused by what's going mm-hmm. on. And then if people have complaints, you're able to, your PR team is able to handle those and what's and give them the right information there. And marketing is going to basically say, hey, we need, we, we are, this is who we are, come to our show. It's a little mm-hmm. different, and I was able to show that. And uh, between that and the, you know, the lots of the friends that I've made over the years, it's 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 a pain in the ass job. I'll tell you that. And, <laughs> but we we all know that because it's one of those things to where we're in the we're in a media spotlight now to where unless it's drama drama unless it's dramatic, mm-hmm. nobody wants to write about it. Right. So when I come when when I go and I say, hey man, we've got this big you know, marathon going on, similar to something like GDQ, raising money for the Saint, the people over at uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Um, do you want to, like, help promote it and, like, talk about something that's, like, good in the world? And um, 99% of the time, I get no response. But every now and then, like, like Newsweek, I'm going to keep promoting them because they actually, like, he did a really good job. Um, they'll talk about it. And, and then all of a sudden, we do the marathon raise over four million dollars mm-hmm. and just dr lupo himself raises several million in just mm-hmm. one four-hour block and you're like or almost a million and actually it was a million and for one four-hour block it's like okay now i get all these emails are like hey man we want to write about dr lupo doing all this stuff i was like did you did you get the email i sent you like six months ago when we <laughs> told you this was gonna happen it's like oh yeah yeah but uh we didn't know what was going on it's like you could have just responded to my email and i would have helped you out there so yeah. that's that's basically my job there is is I get to tell people I told you so a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a basic. <laughs> Which is like, it's like, dude, I, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a huge year. We're going to raise millions of dollars. In mm-hmm. fact, I was quoting to them three million dollars. We're going to I guarantee I wouldn't guarantee, but I was like, I, I promise we're going to raise a lot of money and we're shooting for three million dollars this year. When we shot over four million dollars, and I was able to say, "Hey, I told you so," it's just like, it's it's it feels good because yeah. it's, obviously it's for the kids. But uh, that's that's how it became part of it. Was I was able to handle those situations, and I enjoy handling those situations. Um, in fact, I don't know if anybody that works at Battlestate Games listens to your podcast, but if they do, right. you can hire me, and I'll get rid of this nightmare you have going on right now. <laughs> but yeah it's it's basically I, I my i'm good at putting out fires in the public and making sure everybody understands things because a lot of people they have good intentions but they don't know how to say them mm-hmm. and that's where i come in and that's and i was i'm able to prove that which is why i've been able to get involved in companies like this yeah because the whole 
the whole like evolution of how um, Destiny Con kind of gradually like gradually changed into what is what is GCX and kind of it, it was the Destiny it, community meetup. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah because it. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be this huge no. helping hand for community, but uh, for like um not community for charity a charity sorry, yeah a charity and from conversations i've had with you and how like you and the other streamers who are kind of on the forefront of that uh mm -hmm. kind of they have these generous hearts because you you've done um i'm trying to think of you've done multiple charities from how long i've known you because you've done the saint jude's like you were saying you did i've been doing uh, yeah charity since since the day we started for so like for five years we've done a bunch like yeah there's like if, if I were to, yeah go ahead that's no, all right um didn't you do one for for veterans getting games also yeah stack up i've worked with stack up i've worked with uh steve mashuga for a long time in fact i worked with him before he started stack up because he was he was the i mean he was also the creator of um what the heck was the last one operation supply drop Mm -hmm. um and then he was he just they they didn't click or whatever was going on there i don't actually know and he went and created stack up and i worked with them for a while like mm -hmm. and, and then yeah so i've worked with him i've worked with a ton of different charities and like the biggest problem with working with so many charities is like you feel bad that you can't do every, something every year or something every couple of months or something like that because it's like i do a lot of charity um, broadcasts but you do if you let's say you do four a year five a year you do four or five different ones every year that's that comes down to possibly working with that specific charity once every year and a half or two years and it's mm -hmm. like there it's 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 hard to say hey man i know we haven't done anything in a while but i still care about you guys and it's because like you know i i when it comes to when it comes to helping veterans out that's kind of been a huge piece through my through my education um so that's close to my heart but like you know kids with cancer that's close to my heart mm -hmm. uh animals and people and you know right now in australia that's oh. close to my heart because like it's i shame. mean you you know the time i stream like a lot of my viewership is australian so it's mm -hmm. like that, that's those are as much as i'm not australian those are my people so mm -hmm. you know like it's 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 heartbreaking it's heartbreaking to not be able to do so much and to know that However much I've done, I still don't have like this huge following that can do something every time that we want to put something together. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets a little tough sometimes, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't it doesn't stop me, um, right. and it's never going to be that that super discouraging thing. But you know, it's it, it comes down to what you do, not necessarily what others do for you in in these cases. So as long as we try and as long as we do yeah. something, feel good about it. But you know, it's never enough when it comes to that. <laughs> right, right. I was happy to see that <clears throat> Mixer is uh, doing stuff, I guess, that they're going to make it to where it's easier for streamers to go ahead and do charity streams for them. Are they integrating within? That's cool. Yeah, let me pull up the tweet. I they... hadn't heard about that. Yeah, because uh, Elle, actually, she uh, she streams uh, on Mixer. Um, uh -huh. and, uh, hey, me too. And and you 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 you've you've now gone over to Mixer. Or are you doing your um, by your by the <clears throat> both. both? Yeah. Okay, so you can uh, donate or join the campaign, and then they give you the um, Australia Wildlife Relief website, mm -hmm. and it says Mixer content creators and community are coming together to support the Australian wildfire relief efforts. So, oh, it's through, it's through Tiltify, though, right? Uh, the website is aka.ms slash Australian wildfire relief. Yeah, so that takes it to Tiltify. So mm -hmm. Tiltify is actually a company Oh, yeah, that, it's actually at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, Tiltify is a company that I've worked with a lot. There are a lot of good people there, too. Um, people that I've come up with just as streamers. Mm -hmm. um, some of the people that I've I've learned and just become friends with before they even started working for Tiltify. So uh, like my friends, I Casper and Ashley Ann and a bunch of those people work for this company now and we're, we're able to work very closely with them. Like the cool thing about what they're doing is it's run by streamers. So they're able to be able to give streamers what they want or what they need in order to do these broadcasts. Um, just uh, at the end of this month, we'll be doing 
probably one of one of my last streams before I start moving moving uh, will be a uh, big support supporting stream for um, the Red Cross of Australia and mm-hmm. that the only way we can do that properly is if a company like Tiltify makes it fully integrated. Uh, I told you earlier, one of the first people I met from the streaming world was Santa. His name's Josh, and he's one of their main programming consultants. So he's the guy that like makes sure that it works for anybody that's doing a stream. Um, so so yeah, companies like this are huge lifesavers when it comes to uh, being able to do that on a stream and actually make it so that people know what's going on. And it's cool that it's cool that places like Twitch, Mixer, and YouTube definitely help with at least. Uh, Helping with that integration and giving giving them the tools to be able to integrate it as much as much as they can. Yeah, well, look, because I feel, I feel like the the charity streams is, um, it's really nice because you do get to help. You know, your causes. Do you feel that doing those charity streams also helps your channel to to show how, uh, like you know, I, let, me, let me your community, I should say, not your channel, mm-hmm. but to like mm-hmm. make them more unified and more like, hey, we have a purpose. This is what we want to do. This is what we enjoy doing. Kind of like this little, uh, kind of like a, like a bond. Uh, yeah, in a way, I would say. Um, I would say that there's definitely a camaraderie of, hey, we're all coming together to to go towards a cause. Yeah, sure. I mean none of this would be possible without without a community that cares about the same thing right cuz you can have you can have a a charity broadcast that only affects 1% of your community mm-hmm. and that only that 1% donates mm-hmm. but that's usually never the case it's usually like a much bigger percentage than just 1% mm-hmm. and if it only affects that 1% well if you already if you obviously have a bigger percentage that's that's donating it means that yeah there's a connection going on there we care about our fellow community mm-hmm. members um it definitely like it, it i would say that it's more of a result rather than an effect or mm-hmm. a a cause rather it's an effect more than it is a cause um because there are a lot of people out there that have used hey i'm going to do a cha- one charity stream a month and in the back of their head, I am I haven't I've never heard anybody say this, but it's it's hard not to imagine in the back of their head that they're saying, Well, if I do this, I'm gonna look really good. And if I look really good to the people, they'll start following my channel. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've seen that many times. I've seen a lot of people hide hide their uh their selfishness behind charities. In fact, like the people some of the people I've come up with have started doing that or at least they they were doing that the whole time and never really noticed mm-hmm. um obviously I'll never say who those people are but uh that that has happened so many times that it's it's the charity world it becomes a little bit tricky and a little bit sticky and uh you have to sort of uh, watch your step every now and then but uh, there's there's definitely there's definitely those that have used charity to to help their channels and help their careers um so while I think that it is possible, I don't think it's as I don't think it's as possible as a lot of these people think that it is because I mean if you think about it, what's going on is you're actually charity doing charity streams more often than not probably hurt your channel unless you have this very lucky strand of you have a bunch of followers that really just care about a lot of mm-hmm. events and causes and whatnot. I'll tell you right now, most of the people on the internet do not care about yeah. helping others. They don't. It's it's unfortunate, but you if you bring people together and you become that influencer and influence people that you're doing a good thing, they they can they will help and they will they will try to do something good um, because a lot of communities as a whole are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, it does it does kind of both? It does help your your channel a bunch, but it also uh, very much comes to a point where it's like well. If we help now, we're not going to help later or something like that yeah. because we it, people only have so much money, obviously. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, and that's that's kind of a it's kind of a good point that you brought up that a lot of people, you know, they only have they have like their set finances and set incomes, mm-hmm. and you know they can't consist consistently like you know give to like a charity every month because you're you're expecting them to get you know drop hundreds of dollars in your channel. It's it's just it's something that's not going to happen. I I personally I do. Um, one or two months out of the out of the year, and I say, 
all the bits and everything and all my subs and everything I get for these this month, it's going to this charity. Yeah. Do do what you feel is appropriate. I'm not going to force you. Like that's that's what I want to do because I'm very passionate about like you know animals and and um, the like the guinea pig community because of what has happened to me in the past with them and I know that there's a bunch of um, rescues um, larger ones in uh, in L.A. actually that um, I, I usually give to them every year. It's yeah. just one of those things that it's kind of a uh, it's a, it's an interesting interesting thing. Uh, just to change to change the vibe a little. Um, so the, the games that you've been playing, um, you've been playing Tarkov, obviously, because, uh, you, you and I have been playing that and, uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, right now you're, you're monster hunter and you, you are pumped about monster hunter. Um, how, how do you, how do you feel about the, the new monster hunter, uh, version right now? Iceborne, have you, have you started to get into that content yet? Yeah, we've gotten to it uh, a little bit in the past couple of days. Um, so uh, I played on PS4. I played the whole through, all the way through the base game uh, when it first launched. It took me like you know, about a month to get through absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anybody who's watched my stream, will know that I've been playing. I've been playing Monster Hunter for about eight years, like basically since the second game came out. And when when World came out, I was actually very disappointed. Um, it felt like a much more much muddied down, watered down version of what Monster Hunter really was. Obviously, they made it prettier. They made it a lot easier to play and access based on a, being on like a, a full-on console and putting it later on PC and stuff like that. I thought it was a really big and good addition to the Monster Hunter series in general. But as a veteran, it just kind of felt, it felt too easy. It felt muddied down. It felt like they took a lot of things out. Um, with Iceborne, it feels like they are putting that all back in. Granted, they're charging fifty bucks for the for the DLC, but they're putting all the things back in. So we used to have this thing called G Rank, which was the really like the much more difficult ranks and and monsters that came out of there. Now it's called Master Rank because instead of doing the same monsters but harder, they've kind of they've added a lot more monsters, and it's in a new map, and there's new new items and new uh, weapon moves and new armor sets and stuff like that. So they've turned it into something completely mm-hmm. different, but with the same vibe as it felt classically. Um, so they brought a lot of that feel back and now it finally feels like monster hunter again. I'm super happy about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Cause I, I've seen how excited you are when you're playing it. And I feel like they kind of, from, from the times that I've seen, cause I, I've, I haven't played the past versions of Monster Hunter. I kind of wonder if Capcom... Most people haven't. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. I wonder if Capcom was kind of like dipping their toes in the water, so to speak, to see if people were going to buy it, the the, the first oh, yeah. version. And now that they saw it, they're like, oh, well, this is perfect. We're going to be able to put... We'll put a, like you know expansion out, and we'll put everything in there that we originally wanted to do. Kind of like just a little little teaser... So I kind of I kind of enjoy I kind of enjoy watching you because oh, yeah. you you play it a million times better than I do. I am <laughs> I have lots of experience. Horrible. I am horrible. Like I thought I was doing pretty well. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. And then I watch you play it. I was like, I'm terrible. I was <laughs> like, I'm just gonna stick to my first person shooters. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. Um, They're pretty obvious about a lot of that in their story and how they tell it because the whole story behind it all because a lot of them a lot of monsters actually like some of them are kind of in the same world and story together there's like i would say four out of the like 12 games that there are there's like four different timelines or worlds sort mm-hmm. of this was the or, or generations i think i guess you would call it um this is sort of this is all brand new like this is nothing from before effects now mm-hmm. um and that's kind of the story they've told which is hey this is a new world this is every like pretend this is a brand new series we've never touched this before mm-hmm. um what have you it there they seemed pretty obvious about the fact that they wanted players that have never played their game before to come in and they wanted to focus on that mm-hmm. um I think a lot of Monster Hunter veterans, because the community's, community can be a little elitist. I wouldn't say toxic, but elitist. A lot of the veterans uh, would sit there and say, well, this game is not for me and I'm offended. When I'm sitting here saying, the game's not for me, but I understand who it's for. And I'm actually happy about that because mm-hmm. it basically... Monster Hunter is a Japanese game. Like It's always been a Japanese game. That's why it's always been on handhelds. Um, a lot of us Westerners were like a 
tenth of the population. If that, we're probably like a hundredth of the population that we're playing Monster Hunter. We're a very small part of it. Mm -hmm. If you look at the numbers now, which I don't know what they are, but I'd be willing to guess that we're probably close to a third or even half now mm -hmm. because we brought a lot of people who have never even heard or even thought about playing the series or it never looked attracted to them, yeah. or attractive to them until World came out. It's like, oh my God, I can actually play this because it looks like a modern and game that I can play now. And yeah. that's pretty much, that's very much what it was. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it the game wasn't, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for somebody who's been playing Monster Hunter for years. It really wasn't. Uh. Now it kind of is. Um, it's unfortunate that you had to buy it twice, but at the same time, it, it kind of is. And some people bought it four times on, on you know, their console and then again on PC because of the release yeah. dates. So. Yeah, I definitely, I bought it, so I bought the base game twice, and then thankfully I was given the, uh, I was given Iceborne by Capcom, which was cool, but yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, um, it's definitely nice having it on PC too, because it's like the first, it's the first monster you can get, you know, a nice performance out of, which yes, is nice. Yes, yes, it's beautiful. Um, and MJ, do you have any questions for Dano? I do not. You do not? What about you, L? Do you have any questions for Dano? No, I think we've like run through the paces. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have, we have gone through a bunch of questions. Now, um, one of the last questions that I like to ask every, every guest that comes on is, um, what type of uh, world would, or universe would you like to live in? Oh man. You're talking about like, um. From from video games specifically, video games, books, movies, like any anywhere oh, that you would like. I've thought about this question actually a lot in my life, and it's tough because usually if it's in something, there's usually something really bad happening in it. Yep, that's what, <laughs> that's what a lot of people have said. Because like you're like, oh, I really loved Mass Effect coming up, and you're like, but Mass Effect was basically like all of earth was under fire by reapers and then mm -hmm. at some point you couldn't go anywhere else without there being like these mercenary groups trying to hunt you down it was it was like you don't have to be the protagonist to be in danger there um but the, the, like, yeah I, go ahead. There, there, you know you can you can, there's people that have have um have said things like i like to live in the world of star wars back in the days of the old republic when it wasn't like you know everyone was in war but like you know, like things like that. You, you depending on what part of the older public you're talking about. Yeah, like exactly. a lot of the older public true. was was under the as much as, I mean, it depends on if you were born in in a Sith realm as well. Like it depends on like where you are. You don't get to choose everything because the the Republic itself was pretty nice, but there was a lot of you know, there's a lot of bad places there too. However, the Sith were not. There was no rule of two in the older public. It was mm -hmm. there was Sith were an entire race and owned many cities and planets and planets and all kinds of stuff they were and they were basically trial by fire type of beings to where if you weren't tough you were basically killed essentially mm -hmm. um I, I think that would be as far as like things go as a normal see i'm assuming you're talking about being a, just a normal person right like not being special in any way you you, you can say however which way you want because we've had people that said i want to be spider-man or i want to be a person in the marvel universe you know mm -hmm. uh like just a regular guy or i want to be a guy with superpowers and this but, you know <laughs> you don't have to specifically do it like you know you want to be like a moisture farmer on tatooine <laughs> you know you could literally do you could you could say anything um let's see i would hmm it is tough i i think that if anything i would like to be um it'd have to be like a citizen in something like a stardew valley or something like that <laughs> to where almost like almost like your goal is just to not be too unhappy like mm -hmm. it's almost impossible <laughs> to be unhappy fully because you're just there and you can farm and you can have a shop and you live in this little town where nothing really affects you. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a utopia in a lot of ways. Um, and I play the game a lot, so I do know a lot about mm -hmm. it, which is nice. Uh, but yeah, it's, it seems, it seems nice while there's challenges and stuff that keep you going. It's totally unrealistic, but it's mm -hmm. still it's something fun. that it's not, it's not a garbage <laughs> planet like everything else that video games are about, which is like the only, it's, I mean, that's the thing is it's not bad because that's what keeps things inter interesting, yes, right? Yes. Like it'd be cool to live in Night City and Cyberpunk, but it would also be terrible at the same <laughs> yeah. time. I can't wait for Cyberpunk. It's going to be so interesting. It's going to be so much fun to watch and play that game. I'm excited for yeah. it to come out this year. Yeah, it's going to be good. A couple, couple more months. 
right? Yeah, we're like almost under 100 days. Is it, is it March? It's coming out in March, April? Mm -hmm. Yeah, March. Ooh. Birthday present? Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so anyway, Dano, thank you very much mm -hmm. for coming. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for dealing with all of the video and audio <laughs> problems. I am so no sorry. Um, we'll, we'll have to have you back one day when we don't have any more problems. <laughs> so once, um, once I kind of clean everything up, I, I, you know, me, I get it, man. Yes. I totally get it. Yes, I do. And I appreciate it. Um, so Dano, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Um, sure. Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Danotage, D-A-N-O-T-A-G-E. Um, most of my main places are on Twitch. Uh, I do upload to YouTube every day. Um, so if you want, I, do need, I need more subscribers there, guys. It's like impossible to get subscribers on YouTube for some reason, even though I can get many, many on Twitch. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, you can find me there. And uh, Twitter, I, I do make up stuff a lot of the time, but Twitter's kind of a garbage place too, so I kind of if you want to if you if you want to give me a positive interaction and I can feel good about it on Twitter, I'll be your best friend. So come <laughs> hang out with me there. Um, but you'll see a lot of my uh, my powerlifting and 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 uh, workout stuff on Instagram as well. So whatever whatever you like, there's something out there with my name on it for you. Probably yes. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes, there is, and I wanted to talk about your uh, your workout uh, regiments and all that stuff too, but. Uh... You know, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to hold everybody for for that long today. But that'll be a whole other podcast. Yes, yeah. yes, we'll have to, we'll have to do that one day. Definitely, definitely do that. Um, MJ, good sir, where can we find you? What's popping? <laughs> he did it. <laughs> he did it. He did it. The catchphrase. <laughs> so uh, tell us where we can find you and your your times and all that uh, fun stuff. Um, you can find me on Mixer at um. Eight ten, and then you can find me on Twitch, MJ is a boss, and then you can find me on Snapchat at um, Baby MJ. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, sir. And then you enjoy your college life as your new semester <laughs> starts, and I am not envious of you with your homework. <laughs> uh, L, where can we find you? You can find me on Mixer at lboogie0208. I just got some really cool updated banners for my About Me sex section provided by Denaro Primero. Yeah. At, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I said it right. <clears throat> Sorry. But yeah, he does a really good job. And uh, yeah, I have a schedule now. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. weekdays, except for Monday because I do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Oh, and on Twitter. Same name. Same name. We can find you can find L wherever it's all the wherever, same. right? <laughs> wherever L is sold. <laughs> wherever, exactly, exactly. Excellent. Uh, why don't you do a shout out for what happened for you over the weekend too? Yeah. So we had our hundredth episode of Grown Woman Gaming. Uh, we do that on Saturday mornings on YouTube, and we did a bunch of giveaways. And yeah, pretty stoked about that. Keep going strong. And hopefully, all of us get out to E3 this year. Yeah, I, I was I was in the channel for for most of the time. I didn't talk because you had a, a bunch of people in there chatting away. So uh, it was it was a very very great podcast and a great uh, great you know great time. And, and seeing the interaction with all of you ladies together, it, it was it was great. It was nice. It's, uh, and I like you know I I'm always lurking, but I sometimes don't get the time to listen. But this time I mm -hmm. had some time to listen. And it was good. And, That's uh, cool. Yeah. So. Th thanks for uh thanks for being able to uh you know enlighten us and uh make us laugh on that because you know you you are a shining star in that so hopefully, hopefully we can bring some of the ladies on, on here also right yeah yes. i need to reach out to them <laughs> yes yes please do please do so um as everyone knows my name is snaldo s-n-a-l-y-d-o uh, i am on twitch twitter discord and in, in our iron Lords, uh, chat always so if you guys want to uh, find me there i'm there um thank i thank everybody for hanging out uh thanks if you have any comments or questions or anything leave them down below uh, i'm gonna take this cut it up and fix it up and put it up as one large video uh dana once again thank you very very much for hanging out with yes, us thank today. you and I, I appreciate you taking you know time out of your busy schedule for hanging with us and um and everything will be on on all of the YouTubes, uh, YouTubes, 
the podcast, iTunes and things like that uh, on Wednesday morning when you guys wake up. Um, if you have any questions, please email us at roundtablestreamteam at gmail.com and we'll be able to ask our guests those questions. Uh, and we have our Twitter, which is Tablestream. If you want to go there and you want to see when we end up having uh, guests come out, when, when we have new notifications, new fun stuff's coming up, um, please go follow us there. And um, I'd like to say uh, thank you very much. And remember, everyone, to dream big and keep gaming. And hopefully we'll see everybody next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you.